The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite esports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to the 14th of our team-by-team League of Legends World Championship preview podcast series. We're almost at the end. We are in the home stretch. And today, we're talking about a team that is blowing up all over the place. I think that is the best way to put it. Uh, this is a Korean team that I don't think a lot of people expected to be here. They uh, certainly have not been a power since the golden age of Season 4, back when sister teams were still allowed, and there wasn't a giant exodus over to China as a result. Uh, but they're back. They are making the comeback album, and this team, you know, it's time to see how they stack up to the original. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather break it down with then my good friend and co-host Walter Cietis Fedchuk. Walter, how you feeling, man? I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about this group. I watched a lot of film about this group because I think this is the most difficult group to call uh, from top to bottom. Uh, we already talked about Splice, and you had some very very strong feelings that I was not quite prepared for uh, coming from you. I'm I'm a little bit higher on them uh, than you are, and that means I'm a little bit more tempered on couple of the other teams in this group as as we'll see here in the in the last few podcasts but man it's been a crazy seven days talking this much league of legends having to watch this much film and uh and i i feel good i feel good going into worlds and um i can't guarantee that all my predictions are going to come true because it's wacky and things like pain winning two games happens and TSM going, you know, 0-5 after a great win against LGD last year. God. Look, yeah, you, but, know, you know, it's uh, we're not here to be psychics. If we were, we'd be gambling on big sporting events and making a lot more money and we wouldn't <laughs> need to do a podcast. If, you know, this is, uh, this is our job is to give you the most likely outcome, in our opinion, based on film that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Knowing that there have been three patches since the last time we saw any of these teams play competitively, which is still stupid, but Riot Games, everybody. So let's just go with it and let's start talking about this team. So, you know, Walter, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to point to this team and say, you know, this was a team that was, you know, uh, trying to fight to make sure they weren't in relegations not that long ago. This is a team that was not on a lot of people's radars as a team to watch as far as world's contention went how did samsung get to where they are how how is this the third seed from a region that has such big names as kt rolster in it so i don't think that 
people weren't expecting him. I do remember early on in the preseason, uh, beginning of summer, couple first week, couple weeks of summer. This seemed to be the team that was everyone's. It was either Samson or Africa was everyone's like sleeper team. Yes, like this is the team of young players that you know somebody's got to break up the triumvirate at the top, the KT, SKT, or Ox triumvirate. Someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. And Africa looked Africa looked pretty good a couple times. Mickey, it's turned out to kind of be the new pawn, the new kind of kryptonite to Faker, even though it's not, you know, outright he crushes Faker, but he definitely gives Faker some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, Crown even looked decent in his matchups against Faker, and that's the mid laner for Samson. So I wouldn't say that Samson Galaxy necessarily came out of nowhere once the summer started. I, I think this was one of the, the pretty, like, this is a sleeper pick. They might make it out if, you know, one of the top three teams does fall apart. Um, definitely last spring, if you had said, yeah, Samson's going to make it to Worlds, I think a lot of people would have been like... But really, though, Samson, <laughs> are you sure? And, and let's not forget, this organization was just absolutely massacred by the the uh, removal of sister teams from the LCK, by the ginormous influx of Chinese money that literally purchased all ten of their you know world's caliber players away from them. Uh, this is an organization that really had to rebuild themselves in season five, and are now seeing. That investment and those, you know, dividends pay off. Um, so I think that they had some problems during the regular season and even into the playoffs, they had some issues. But the second that they started Core JJ, this was a different team. And yes, I am talking about former Dignitas eighty carry Core JJ, and he's not playing eighty carry; he's playing support. Yeah, and who knew? And let's, you know, let's start there in that bot lane because this is the thing when you looked at Samsung, you know, they've been building this team for a while. They're very much the splice of Korea for those of you who are more in tune with Western teams than you are with Eastern ones. For two years now, they've been rebuilding. There have been very few changes. You know, QV has been here for forever. Ruler has been on this team for a very long time. You know, they didn't add any players in 2016. To this roster, there were no there were no switches at the break. Even though they didn't do very well in spring, they have been cultivating this team. And I think the bot lane, especially if you look at what set them apart from KT Rolster, a team that had a great top laner, a team that has a great jungler and a great mid laner, it was this bot lane. And the, you talked about the core JJ effect. Could you expand on that and what has made this bot lane the threat that allowed them to propel past you know some of these other teams that we would have considered threats to make it here it's core jj and i i want to go back when we talked about g2 we talked about mythy's tom catch mm-hmm. and about how he did things with tom catch that absolutely blew our minds yes if you then watched the series against kt rolster the the regional series against kt rolster mm-hmm. core jj made mythy look like a freaking silver player with <sighs> what he was doing and he had, I, I, I know that's like, oh, come on, that's, disgra- that's like disgraceful to Mithy. It was that Core JJ went top so many times, and they mm-hmm. rotated into the top lane so many times with Tom Kench that I made the joke earlier in the in this series that someday must have uninstalled his minimap or something, or their <laughs> bot lane wasn't telling them, like, hey, Core JJ and Ruler just disappeared off the map. We think they went back, <laughs> and guess what? They've already come top to kill you once. So maybe you should just back off 
they just took advantage of someday, which is really kind of bizarre because that's not where most teams try to go and get after KT Rolster. They usually try to go against the mid lane and they try and go into the bot lane because Arrow is rather passive early on and mm -hmm. Fly is, he likes to push his lane and then try and roam. So you try and catch him on the roams. You just ward and you rotate, you know, counter rotate into him. Uh, but they went after Someday. And considerably, Someday, you know, up until last year and when Smab really emerged, he was considered, you know, the best top laner in the world. And then Smeb emerged, and people just say, oh, well, Someday's still just as good. He's still mechanically good. Get him on a Fiori. He's going to be awesome. But that regional finals match, just KT just completely looked over Samson because they had already beaten them, and they looked over what exactly Core JJ could bring to this team. Mm -hmm. And Core JJ brought to them a, a shot-calling, a control over the game that they just hadn't had. Wraith, who's the alternate support for them and started pretty much every game in the regular season and I think all but one or two in the postseason, um, he's really more of a lane-dominant kind of support. He really likes to control the laning phase. He does get out and ward a little bit, but not nearly as much as Core JJ. Mm -hmm. And that was that was where Core JJ just really shined, was the warding. He constantly was making sure that any time that score was on Nidalee, and he would... You know, it's a common trick for Nidalee players to hop over the back of Dragon and try and take it at, like, level 5, level 7, you know, somewhere in that range. The second he was like, okay, Ambition is probably going to be level 6 and can solo Dragon, there was a ward on the backside of that pit. Every single time. And the first time Score went to do it, all of a sudden he got caught out. And they're like, oh crap, they have a ward. They knew what I was doing. How'd they have a ward? The next time he wanted to do it, he goes to sweep that, doesn't jump in. And the second you see that sweeping lens pop, Core JJ starts walking over there. Like the second that ward gets disabled, he's like, oh, gotta go reward that. It was just absolutely phenomenal in terms of his, his control over the game. In the regional finals, his kill participation doesn't really show it. Mm -hmm. But that was just because Samson was being so smart over the course of the series in catching out score and catching out fly and taking advantage of the fact someday we're so tunneled in, I need to destroy this tower, I need to destroy this tower. He wasn't warding it really effectively and he wasn't paying attention to his minimap. Samson looked like an entirely different team with Core JJ in the lineup. And I can only speculate whether or not they would have been the three, you know, a top three team if Core JJ had been playing from day one. And they were very smart, and they tried playing him once in the regular season. He wasn't ready mechanically as a support player. Mm -hmm. And they just let him simmer. And when they took off that, that lid on that slow cooker, man, they found something delicious. And, and that's the thing. I, I really want to reiterate to people. They were still starting Wraith at support in the summer playoffs. Like, Wraith had five starts in the summer playoffs. He had one game even in the regional finals. They had not made the move to Core JJ basically until the playoffs. And I, I think that the summer playoffs were when they realized, you know, we can't beat KT Rolster that way. We cannot just count on our bot lane being able to, to win out and, you know, hoping that our mid lane goes even, whatever. We need a new strategy. And that new strategy, like you said, was attacking KT's strengths. And they never saw it coming. They never expected someone to go after someday in a meta in which someday seemed to have so many comfort picks. And to me, that speaks volumes of the coaching staff and how they've been able to, A, develop talent so that guys like Core JJ can just somehow be introduced in the playoffs 
and then turn this team around and be as effective as he was. And also how the coaching staff looked at the film, saw how they lost 3-0 to KT the first time around and said, okay, so here's how we fix it, and then enacted that plan perfectly and made adjustments within the series. I mean, these are all the things when we look at Korean infrastructure and how teams do it right. These are the things we're looking for. And up until now, Samsung had been a team. It's like, look, we're rebuilding. Trust us. We're rebuilding. Trust us. You know, we've like these coaches, the staff, like we've done this before with, you know, with world. I know we lost all our guys after season four, but we've done this. Trust us. Mm-hmm. And now I trust them. You were right. <laughs> you developed all this talent. Now you're an amazingly, you're, you're, you're a very talented team. And the worst part for me personally and you know where I, I'm getting here, because this is the uh, Chase feels sorry for himself as a CJ Entis <laughs> series. I already had to do it with Trick, the guy we started five times and gave up on because developing talent is apparently only for teams like Samsung. Who knew? And now Ambition, a guy who played Juggle for quite a long time for CJ, didn't look all that great. Wasn't a guy that I enjoyed watching in the Juggle position. Now Samsung picked him up. And suddenly he's one of the, you know, three best junglers in, in Korea. <laughs> so how did we get here, Walter? What's, what is Ambition doing now that is helping set this team apart from the rest of their competition? I think part of it has to do with meta. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his proficiency as a mid laner in terms of his mechanics really translated well into things like Nidalee, into things like Elise, where there is some kind of intense micro from the jungle position um he just plays very intelligently and they just gave him the time necessary for him to grow into the role you know i i think about how hard it is for me just you know from game to game going from okay well i played jungle this game now i have to play mid lane and i'm terrible at csing and that's something i have to like consciously when i'm playing mid lane be like all right i have to cs i have to cs me getting the first two waves cleanly is like whoo i'm so proud of myself so Looking at a professional and looking at the difference between playing mid lane and playing jungle, it's going to take some time. And I think it just finally started to click for Ambition. I think he finally got enough experience under his belt. I think he finally really understood the micro of the champions that he was playing and the macro decision making he had to make, you know, the way he had to rotate. I think he finally understood what his laners want, how to interact with his laners. And I think it really helps that Crown has, has really established himself as a very strong control mage player this season he was absolutely phenomenal when he was getting onto the control mages things like victor things like the vladimir just a very strong player across the board he's really grown into his own and when your players around you are growing and they're getting better it frees up a lot of the pressure on you there isn't pressure on ruler and ambition anymore to be the solo carries of this team you don't have to say to ambition anymore listen dude the only way we're going to win the early game is if you go 10 and 0 which, trust me, he has the ability to go like 5-0 and to start the game and just absolutely snowball it out of proportion with Nidalee. He's a guy you don't want to give Nidalee to. And that's one of the things they did against KT was they baited him into this, make a decision over Gangplank or Nidalee, and KT took Nidalee every single time because score is also a very good Nidalee. Yeah. It was just excellent, excellent growth by Ambition and the rest of this team as a whole. And because everyone else around him did grow as much as they had, and Core JJ stepping in takes a lot of the shot calling rain, uh, shot calling reins away from ambition. It really frees him up to be a very fluid jungler early on. It allows him to come up with interesting jungle paths. It allows him to gank from interesting angles and weird angles. And Core JJ was so willing to roam around the map and set up plays that ambition now has somebody else to follow him up. 
when he wants to make a decision, I'm going to go gank this guy, even though he has kind of an easy way to get out of it. Now he has a support behind him. So now it's not, you know, Ambition and Kuve trying to get this kill and, you know, someday is this top lane god who can get out of everything. Now it's like, all right, but there's three junglers here. One of them, There's three players here. One of them's going to teleport in behind you. Now where do you go? So yeah. I, I just think between the champion pool increases that he's made, that he's gotten better at the more utility-style tanks, his Gragas was very, very good in that in that regional finals performance. Um, and just getting the experience under his belt to play a position that is as decision-making and macro-heavy as jungle, I think it just took some time. And again, take that, that top off the slow cooker too soon. It smells good, but it's not going to be fully cooked, and it's going to be like you know tough. Like You make roast beef... You put it in the slow cooker, you take it out too soon, it's tough, it's chewy, it's not good. But you get it right at that like right spot after eight hours of cooking and it just shreds apart, it's perfect. And Ambition is perfectly cooked roast beef. Yeah, well, you know, if we've learned anything from CJ Antis being relegated, it's that they did the exact opposite of all the things you just <laughs> said. And that probably explains why, you know, people who saw Ambition last year can't understand this. But you're absolutely right, it, you know? You know, one split is not enough, especially when you don't have the solo laners that are backing you up. And I think you're absolutely right in saying that he now has a team that he can trust to make plays around him. So he doesn't feel that same amount of pressure. He can focus on developing those skills and and being a shot-calling type player. Uh, Even though Core JJ has taken on a lot of that, he still has his own role in that process. And I think that... You know, he's a lot more fun to watch, and he seems a lot happier, honestly. I mean, I think this was ultimately, you know, what you want for a guy like him. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to see that working out. Now, Walter, I, I know that we're not going to end this podcast before we talk about what the weakness with this team is. There's a reason they're a three seed. What is it about this team that worries you as far as getting out of groups? I am afraid that the Core J boost that they got is short term. Mm. Um, it's not a champion pool thing. He did play four different champions over the course of the regional finals. He played a very strong Bard, a very strong Tom Kench. Um, his Karma was okay, and, and his Braum was okay. That worries me. The other thing that worries me is that outside of Core JJ playing a, an engaged style champion, they do have trouble engaging. Ambition, while he can play things like Rek'Sai and Gragas, are not super hardcore initiation champions. Mm-hmm. Kuve is okay with his teleports, but when you're relying on teleport, flanking is your only type of engage. We've seen teams all across the globe at all skill levels struggle when their their win condition is, okay, let's get a TP flank off and hope it works. You know, right. Even Impact playing Gnar for Cloud9, they had trouble doing it, and Impact is probably the best Gnar in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... It's really difficult when you pigeonhole yourself into such a small window to engage. Um, outside of that, uh, you know, Kuve can be a bit of a liability in terms of the laning phase. He does take up a lot of Ambition's time if you don't want him to fall, you know, outright behind. Mm-hmm. Um, he usually goes, you know, pretty even, but eh, it, it's not great. And Samsung really is not a team that wants to team fight. Right. They really need to have an an early lead. They really need to get out ahead. If they don't have a you know six to eight thousand gold lead by you know the twenty five thirty minute mark, um, they really do have a lot of trouble closing games because they are not as polished a team fighting team mm-hmm. as probably any of the other Eastern teams and and maybe you know like TSM and G two uh, in the late game. In this group, 
that's probably okay because they only need to get by Splice and and Royal Never Give Up. And I think that Samson might be a little bit more talented across the board than Splice, so that should be able to get them an early game lead. Mm-hmm. But it really worries me when I think about them having to team fight against a team as coordinated as TSM or as coordinated as Splice. Because that's just not their bread and butter. Their bread and butter are these, you know, three v three, two v two skirmishes where they're catching people out in the jungle and they're, you know, manipulating their advantages like that. Um, but at the end of the day, this is my two seed out of the group. I think they will make it out of this group because mm-hmm. I think the weaknesses, uh, a couple of the other teams, Splice that we've already talked about, are a little bit more pronounced and they fit a little bit better into Samson's wheelhouse of being able to get out ahead and actually build that lead. And I don't think there's really any jungler in this group that can really contest against Ambition, who, in my opinion, is you know one of the top three junglers in the world. Oh, man. I'm going to – well, I, I get to make my case for Royal Never Give Up uh, in a little <laughs> bit. Uh, MLXG was the M- MVP of the Chinese summer split, and there's a good reason for that. That is a great jungler that everyone forgets about because Clear loves in China, and yep. we can't name two junglers in China because everyone <laughs> forgets to care until it's too late. Kakao's still in China, right? We were just talking about him in pre-call. I think he still jungles in China. He's like the the. I'm not sure you can call that right? jungling. I'm not sure that's what that's called. Like like that's like calling me a jungler. Like I play the position and I sometimes take camps in the in the jungle, but I would not call it a jungle. Has he resorted to Disco Nunu jungle? Because that's when you know he's a real jungler. Nunu bot Disco Nunu. I mean, anything is in play at this point. The the story of Kakao is a sad one. I think the story of Samsung's going to be a happy one. I. I put Samsung's chances of getting out of this group at 55%. Um, I think that they are the second best team in this group if they play to the way that they played at regionals. If they play the way they played against KT Rolster in the summer, I think they could have a lot of problems. I, I think that one of the things that has been a huge benefit for this team is when they've played a team before, they've then made adjustments. I think their coaching staff is a huge boon for this team, as they were back when they had two sister teams. Uh, you can't do that in a group stage like this, uh, especially when you're refusing to scrim teams that aren't in the West. That just means that you know two of the three teams you're playing in this group, you're not really going to have a, a great handle on. You know that's that's their call, and we'll see how it works out for them. But at the end of the day, I, I think that the talent is certainly there. I think that they have demonstrated that you know the, the, they are able to make the most out of this Korean style infrastructure and they've gotten a lot of players with a lot of talent who are prepared for the big stage even though they haven't all been on the big stage in fact most of them haven't Mm -hmm. this is not a team that they rushed into this process and now doesn't have any real experience they've They've played in games where they had to play for their lives in the relegations. They've had yeah. games where they had to play for their lives with everything on the line against you know a team that is very talented in KT Rolster. I think they're ready. I think we're ready to wrap up this podcast. If you enjoyed it, you should definitely hit that subscribe button wherever you are. If you're watching on YouTube and enjoying actual talking heads instead of just the <laughs> metaphorical ones, you should uh, you know subscribe there. It's YouTube. Just search for Rough Drafts Podcast. Uh, if you like the audio version more, absolutely cool. We love helping out those of you who like to go be on the go in your lives. So go ahead to soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts or on iTunes. You can get it under the podcast section there. 
absolutely, you know, leave comments on any of these places. We respond to all of them. We love talking to you guys. We love when you guys disagree with us. If you have, you know, if you think Walter's too uh, high on (laughs) Samsung or maybe I'm focusing too much on some of the negatives, whatever it is you want to say, come talk to us. It's at Rough Drafts Pod for the podcast itself, but we also have personal Twitters. I'm at Redshirt King. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me preaching the virtues of ambition as a top three jungler in the world at C80s underscore LOL. Awesome. Well, it is time now. We're going to shift our focus to a team that's never going to give us up, that's never going to let us down. They're not going to run around, but they might hurt us. It depends on how, uh, on how much faith you have. So until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>